Welcome to Chief Evangelist. I'm your host, Ethan Butte. I'm on a mission to explore and understand the role of the Chief Evangelist and the movement behind it. How should founders, investors, and C-suites be thinking about it? How does it benefit the company? Which companies and markets need evangelism most? What does the work involve? What does success look like? And who's a good fit as a chief evangelist? That's what we're exploring at chiefevangelist.com and in conversations like this one, which is brought to you by Ringmaster Conversational Marketing and their evangelist-powered podcasting package. Learn more at ringmaster.com. Today, we're learning from the global skills evangelist and CEO at Skills Baby. For nearly 20 years, she's been evangelizing skills as the currency of the labor market and using data and technology to create innovative skills-based hiring and learning solutions for individuals, companies, educators, governments, and initiatives. Kelly Ryan Bailey, welcome to Chief Evangelist. Thank you so much for having me, Ethan. I'm really excited to do this. Yeah, me too. I love your, I love, first of all, you're using the language of evangelism and we'll get into why and how. Uh, in this context, I'm super interested in the work that you've been doing in the, what I think is a relatively unique career that you've built for yourself and kind of unlocking some of that passion through conversation here. Uh, but Kelly, where we always start is the most important job of an evangelist. When I offer that to you, what comes to mind? Authenticity. You really have to be genuine. You have to believe in what you're talking about to your core. And I, I feel like if you don't, people pick up on that. Absolutely. I, I kind of want to go to the core here. I mean, when I hear that, it's um, it's not purely intellectual. Uh, and of course, you use the word passion as well, um, I think. Um, so well, like, what does it mean to to be your core with a, with at the risk of getting too kind of soft or something. No, 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 that's fine. And and it's funny because I I have said before that I think our brains are really in sync. Um, and so I even if I didn't say passion, I was definitely thinking it. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but you know, it, it honestly it's I'm trying to think of there's there's sort of this like multiple things that kind of come together when I think of the word evangelist. Um, you know, evangelists I think have a canny ability to connect with people immediately. Um, they have this ability to, again, it's not necessarily the most, I always say, I'm, sometimes my stories are a little longer than necessary. So it's not always like super clear communication, but it's this ability to storytell and take people along a journey and make them see something that they may have not seen before. And at least for me personally, um, I, it, it has to be right to me. I, I don't even think I could go out there and ever evangelize something that I, that I didn't believe in because that would make it difficult for me to sleep at night. I, I know, you know, it's one of those things I didn't learn this about myself or understand it about myself until later in life. I have a special power and if I'm going to go out there and use it, I can use it for good or I can use it for bad. I can see how easily it can go in the wrong direction. And so I really want to be able to use it for good. Yeah, I so much of what you shared there, I absolutely connect with. And uh, a key part of it is this idea that you need to, uh, of course, deeply believe in it. And for me, um, A, I, I also tell stories sometimes in like a too much context, overly long kind of way. Anyone that's worked with me for a long period of time would probably say the same, uh, perhaps unsolicited. And um, and then the other side of this is the idea that it's, um, 
my passion isn't so much, I'm offering this to see if it, uh, if you connect with it as well, is um, as much about the ideas and the stories and the best practices around a transformation rather than about the product or service itself. I know some people get like crazy hyped about a brand and a product and a couple of features that were life-changing for them. And I might tell that story, but for me, what lights me up is just the idea of it all. Yes. And there there are tools, right? The, the transformation, the change that you want to see in the world, there are tools that help that along. And, and usually, I think when we're evangelizing, there are tools that in our own experience of that transformation have been just, you know, wow, right? And, and that's, I think, why we gravitate towards those. Or we're working very closely with an organization to innovate those tools that will work really well for a transformation. So again, like when we're embedded that deeply and that passionately in the the product that where that is a tool for this transformation, right? I think it's it's almost seamless to me because then it's like, wow, this is something I would use day in and day out. I mean, what was coming to mind was almost those uh, celebrities that will. Um, you know, right, because they're evangelists too. But if any commercial that you see and it's like, well, does that celebrity really use that hair color? Because then it it makes a huge difference, right? <laughs> yeah, and it go, that, I mean, that goes back to the authenticity you talked about off the top. We can generally tell an empty spokes model from, a, um, from someone who is representing something that they believe in. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, when did this, I want to get into both um, tools and skills around evangelism. Of course, you've been paying a lot of attention to the labor market for a long time. I want to talk about what you're seeing at a higher level, but I'd love to start first uh, with your personal uh, dynamic around this. Like when did the evangelist, because you've used the language of evangelism to describe yourself or your role or your function before uh, even what you're doing now. Uh, when did that language come onto your radar what was it about for you? Um, what? Why were you uh, pleased enough to adapt it, perhaps, when you didn't have to? Well, let's see. So it is going back when I started using the word evangelist or the the job title evangelist. I want to say four ish years now, five five ish years. Well, I mean, I feel like COVID. You just forget how much time has passed. Yeah, totally. But um, I was working in a role with an organization where we really couldn't figure out what title fit what I did. It was almost like it didn't exist. And as someone that works in job data, of course, I was like, well, let's, let me do some research and see what's going on out there. Right. It wasn't marketing. It wasn't, um, I was also working with engineering. It wasn't PR. I was also working with the executive team and the sales teams. Like it just didn't really, I, there was just not a word that I, that I knew of. And it just so happened that I, and doing my research, you know, in the job data itself, I think first what I did was turn to LinkedIn. And there were a couple of people that I, uh, I would say were role models for me that I definitely um, looked at and ambitiously hoped that I was that person and or was working towards being that person and that were called evangelists. And a friend of mine introduced me to those to individuals. And I was just like, wow, where did this word come from? Much, much like you're asking me, right? And then I looked back into the data itself and I was like, wow, this word isn't used very often. It's used more so in a religious context than ne necessarily a business context. And um, 
I was creating my own title. So it was like, you know, no holds barred, right? And and what would give sort of the weight that was, hey, I'm a person to listen to internally and externally, um, as well as, again, capture this sort of like strange, funky role that I had. And it just so happened that the organization I was working with was... Um, a, a very, I would say they had a foundation, a religious, a Christian religious foundation, um, and especially where they were located. And so it kind of, to me, even, I mean, I, again, not getting into religion, like it wasn't anything related to that. It just felt like it made sense. And it also felt like they would really gravitate towards that word because it was a common thread for them as well. And so I was like, you know, I'm not an... I'm an executive, but I wasn't a like at the chief level, if you will, for this organization. So that global, but I was working globally. And so I was like, how about global skills evangelist? And that's, and that's kind of where it came out. And and I was kind of everyone since I started using it, they were like, oh my gosh, this is an amazing title. Right. And, and that's what you really do. Like you make up these words. I've heard so many funky titles and seen so many funky titles in data's data over my year, job data. I mean, everything from like marketing ninja, right? Like <laughs> why not make it fun? This is what yeah. we spend a lot of our time doing. <laughs> yeah. A lot, of, a lot in there that I really appreciate the, um, first of all, my goal on this show is to make sure that evangelist doesn't fall into the trap of ninja. Whereas yes. obviously, like it obviously doesn't really mean anything except I I don't even know how we started adopting ninja besides like no they're idea. sneaky and they're quiet and they're powerful or so like I don't I don't even know what characteristics we adopted. Whereas with evangelism in particular, um it's this there's an old way. It's this is represented today as the status quo. Here's what's good about it. More importantly, here's what isn't so good about it. There's a different and better way, there's a new world. Some people are already moving in that direction. Come along with us. Here's what it looks like to participate in that way. Here's what motivates us. And here's what it's going to look like when we get to the other side. Just kind of speaking to the kind of Christian evangelism and the evangelism yes. of a product, a service, a technology, an idea, most importantly, a movement um, that promises some form of change and transformation. I refer to it as innovation very generally. Mm -hmm. um, was there a... Um, was what was the transformational nature of what you were doing, or was that not even a, a dynamic? There? It was, yeah, no, it totally was. I mean, the idea skills as a concept in terms of hiring and learning, I've been working on it, uh, gosh, for close to twenty years now. And the thing is that it it was still something that, you know, again with large organizations, they may have been dabbling with, but it really wasn't just common knowledge, just common usage. And, and what we were trying to do was to say, hey, if you start, instead of hiring, <clears throat> I'll use the example from a, a company perspective, instead of hiring based on someone's education, degree, um, former work history in terms of like industry job title, but you actually looked at what they uniquely brought to the table. Especially, this was especially meaningful for me, right? Because I did not take the standard or the traditional path. And so, it, and and I don't think I've been hired off of a, a resume for a really long time. You know, it's it's I just don't look on paper 
like what I really am. And I think that's true for actually the majority of people. But we so try to fit ourselves into this this box and employers, in fact, are then taking action based upon how you fit into that box, right? And in many ways, transformation with a company, innovation within a company is something that is so important. And yet they're not hiring the diverse sets of minds that have these opportunities, you know, that have these capabilities to be able to do that function. And so the transformation, when you think about it that way, um, and, and then when you piece in the learning part of this, right, because again, education is degree, certificate. It wasn't talking in the language of skills. And yet underneath, it was all about, you know, this, this sort of skills concept. And skills, again, it's, it's more, I use the word generally, like we might innovation, right? Skills are like capabilities, your knowledge, what uniquely makes you. And there is a vocabulary or a set of words that, we, you know, have defined and used and actually created what I did at this organization was create an open source vocabulary that could be used by anyone so that they were speaking the same language. They could see what these degrees or certificates meant in the language of skills, what the um, learning meant in the language of skills so that they could make deeper connection points. Um, again, remember, it was like a one-to-one kind of thing. Now it's like a many-to-many kind of thing. And and when you're changing mindsets of people, like I only hire from the Ivy Leagues, right? I only hire from the school that I attended. Like there are these deep-seated mindsets. Like I love the word when you said it's a movement. It is truly a movement. For individuals in particular, the idea that they could be more I think is easy, right? For the actual people that are taking the action and 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 in many ways are responsible for the navigation of your professional life, they weren't doing that, right? And so yes, this was a truly transformational and I don't think this journey is by far done at all, but that is the reason why evangelist um in my long-winded way that I tell these stories, right? But that is the reason why evangelist made so much sense because I was truly trying to say there is a future that looks very differently that actually will make you as a company more successful, that will make you as an institution that provides lifelong learning abilities more successful, that will also make people more successful. Like, let's rise all the boats, people. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that. You know, it, it, that's another thing I see, like, that's that's motivational for people around. Um, well, first of all, changing mindset is the key to changing behavior. So I, I appreciate that that was something that you were obviously consciously aware of and sensitive to. Um, and then it, it's good in this way. It's good in that way. It's good for them. It's good for them. Like, I, I think that feels like, you know, for example, one of the big ideas that I was evangelizing for a long period of time is that your faceless typed out text is not something that you should be relying on for some of your most important and valuable messages. Sometimes you should communicate with video when you need to communicate asynchronously. It's like, it's good for you in these 18 different ways. It's yeah. also good for the recipient. They're gonna understand more clearly. They're gonna have a sense that they know you. They're gonna know exactly what you meant because we read and write emotions to and from our own faces and other people's faces automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's just like the the, the win-win or the win-win-win uh, is I feel like a, a key part of it too. Um, so you're right at the doorstep and you already did a little bit of this, but I wanted to ask you in a really simple, plain, even dumb way, you know, kind of what are skills 
and um, the idea of the currency of the labor market. And I'll add one more layer onto it too for you to kind of think about, respond, react to. Based on what I'm hearing from you now and previous conversations, what I've read about your work online, I'm thinking a little bit about like a job posting or a role that we want to hire as a collection of responsibilities and outcomes. Um, and perhaps the candidate now or the person being considered for the role is a bundle of skills and we're trying to match those up. But are there skills also in the, like the, the role responsibility side? So give a little bit of definition to skills. Why is it a currency? I, this is too much for one response. I can't believe I tacked that That's on. That's okay. Like, no, I will you know where do I'm, my you know best. Where I'm going. Yeah, yes. Yes. This, um, and, then, and then what I really want to do after that is dial that into kind of like evangelist positions and what you've been seeing in the market around that. Like, yeah. so, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I, what I will do to make this an easier way to understand the answer that I'm about to give is I will, t I will tell a story. Okay. So, I started my career, um, well, I should say the second step of like my professional life after college was working with a subsidiary of Ronstadt. So I worked in a staffing environment. And my role in that job was to uh, partner with companies. And my three biggest clients were um, financial institutions. So we're talking Bank of America, Citigroup, BNP Paribas, French Bank, for anyone who's not familiar with that. And I was in New York City. And so um, I was staffing them in New York City. And I was particularly staffing IT consultants of all levels. Now, the interesting thing from the outside world, right? We, this was still early days, you guys, of like monster, right? <laughs> like, this was like the very early days of being able to apply to jobs online. What we know of most of us, right, in the job market is that we apply to a job um, online or in a software system that's called an applicant tracking system. And so that's when you go on a company's website, you pick a job, you apply to it. Most likely you're entering your resume and then you're entering some personal information and that's going off into the ether, right? <laughs> and that ether is HR at that company or so you assume, right? But there's a lot that happens within that technology that's trying to read and understand who you are and decide if you're going to ever make it to someone's desk, okay? Now, me, little little young me um, that didn't know anything about this world, but that it was super frustrating as a professional, goes into this role and I'm working with something that I didn't actually know existed before now, which was a hiring manager. Now, the hiring manager is the person who likely leads the team that you're going to work for. And they're like, I need someone in this role. Um, the funny thing about that is that they'll call up HR. HR dusts off this job posting um, that has, by the way, there's no standard to writing a job posting. People are just like, oh, this is what I'm putting the job posting. It's fine, right? Um, yeah, this and, is what the eight other job postings I looked at look like. So I'll yeah. do my own version of it. Yeah, it's fine. Um, and And the hiring manager has like no idea what's happening. They're just like, send me some candidates. Now, hiring managers, again, I learned this as my early in my early career, hiring managers get very frustrated because they get candidates that don't look at all like I mean, literally don't have the skills and capabilities that are needed for the role. They're like, why? How is this? So they call up someone like me with a staffing agency, and they're like, "Hey, I need to find this person." And so I would go into their office. I'd sit down. I'd pull out my notebook, and I'd be like, "Okay, what do you need?" and 
I'm, I'm not even joking how many times this person would be like, Hank, Hank, what do you do again? Yeah. <laughs> like off into the office. Hank would come in. He was an IT professional on the team and he would be like, this is what I do. This is the role that we need. And I'd feverishly start writing down notes. And I was supposed to go out and say, okay, this person with these things, I need to find someone like that. Again, this was only in early days when you have to make mistakes, right? Because you that's how you learn. And so I'd be like, okay, let me find someone on paper that looks like this, right? Um, I'd bring in these amazing IT professionals. They matched like 90 plus percent of what this person was looking for. And guess what? They never stuck. And I was like, huh, why aren't you hiring these people? Like, I don't understand. And they'd say they don't have the personality that fits the team. They're not showing up on time. Um, they can't communicate at all. Like they just only speak technical language, but we need them to be able to talk to everyone else in the organization. Um, there were some very particular set of skills that back in that day, we would have called soft skills that those employers wanted, but they were never saying it. When I would write all these things down, I was writing down like Java, C++, like these were the early days, right? Like I was writing down all of these technical skills. They never told me the other side. So I learned very quickly, um, as I like to say, I always do, that what they were actually looking for was, yes, someone that had a basic number of technical skills, but they were looking for someone that could communicate, someone that could learn quickly, someone that showed up on time, someone that fit the kind of personality of the team because they had to work as a team. And that was an unspoken rule. And so as I got to know the hiring managers that I worked with very well, I would know when they told me something, what they wanted. Their HR group didn't know, right? Now, here's the funny part of the story that helps you understand when we're talking about skills, right? The last part of the process, the hiring manager would say, yes, I've interviewed this person, love him or her, I'm hiring them. The last part of the process was for me to work with HR. And the way we would close out what's called a job rec, which is the job posting, is I would have to take this person's resume, submit it online, and most often I would have to work with them because this was not a process they were familiar with at the time. I would literally sit down at a big desktop computer, help them do this, and then the system would kick them out because of course they did not match the job posting that HR put together, okay? And 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 resumes, right? They tell like 0.1% of your story. And so I would then have to call up the person that I knew at HR and say, hey, submitted this resume. You got to go in there, put it to the job, close out the job. And that happened every time. I'm not like every single time. And so when I say skills, right? Like what I'm talking about are the thing, sometimes it's the things you can't actually say. Yes, it's the words of skills, the vocabulary of skills is much more simple than you would, would think, right? Um, communication has many different layers of communication, written communication, you know, like digital communication, right? There's all, and now in the world of AI, there's a whole set of new words that are coming out in communication related to interacting with chat GPT or conversational AI. So <clears throat> skills are these words that are constantly evolving with roles. And as you might imagine, it is extremely difficult to keep up with that when the pace of change is so quickly. But there's this sort of set of, again, I call them these 
foundational skills or foundational capabilities that sometimes it's hard to measure. Sometimes it's hard to put the right words to them, much like evangelist. But again, it's what in the old days would have been called these soft skills. Um, and those have not changed. Those have not changed to this day. I talk with employers that are hiring all the time, and those are still the set of skills that are the hardest to find. Yeah. So okay. I hope that started yeah, by answering it, what skills were. <laughs> it, it, it does. Well, and, and the, the other interesting, the mo one of the more interesting things you offered there, of course, is the, is the language of soft skills and the idea of including them, valuing them, and not having them be this unspoken thing that we feel when we get onto an interview with someone and we're like, oh, this person doesn't have that way about them that would make it make them an effective team member here. Um, there's also this, you know, I think you said like, much like an evangelist. <laughs> That's kind of where I want to go next, which is, yes. um, I'll just share with you what I've learned by talking with dozens and dozens of people in evangelist roles. And I would love for you to kind of share from your, um, all the work that you've done in your own perspective um, as a skills evangelist yourself. Um, you know, maybe turning it into some observations of your own or, or some uh, recommendations either for people looking for an evangelist or, or people seeking I, I talk with a lot of people that are like, I want an evangelist role. <laughs> and it's like, these generally don't exist. <laughs> they most, almost all of them are completely bespoke. Yeah. Almost all of them come about because um, this is language that I've heard and I'll make up a name to plug into it. But it's like, you know, I met the CEO of this company. We interacted in this way and then we connected again. And then um, we realized we had a mutual friend who, you know, we met because we were at this event uh, and we were both talking to this person and, you know, we got on to talking about how I might become a member of the team. And they recognized that I have a Jennifer-sized hole in my organization, which is to say, I need you here. It's shaped exactly like you. It's completely bespoke. And I don't know what to call it. I don't know what to name it. Um, I don't even know. So I would love, like, how would you start shaping up based on the research that you saw as you're trying to figure out what to call yourself based on the skills that you knew you had and the value that you were bringing? It's another part of the conversation I want to have is like, how do we value this? Like oh, yeah. in general, I think of the labor market is at some level is a little bit pure in that like, well, what are other things like this going for? You know, yeah. what is a mint condition Michael Jordan rookie card going for? Well, there aren't very many of those. So it's going for a lot of money, let's say, you know, it's right. the same thing here. But um. How do you how do you characterize relative to I know you have skills or I think you have skills I don't have a job title for this there is no job rec like this is a messy thing from from a hiring perspective and so, so a lot of times people don't even know they need the role yeah and they've never hired it before it doesn't exist you can't go hey Hank you know nope nope you can't um, unfortunately there is no um, not that not that there was for those either which is which is kind of funny, right? But because um, it's emergent, it, it is, and and in many ways, you know, jobs are. Um, but but I think from an evangelist standpoint, at least the way that I've seen is, it's a very um, innovative role. So it's funny because up over here to the left of me that you all can't see are these whiteboards, um, and I have them like small so I can take them down and write on them. And and on one, I have one because someone asks me this all the time. I have one that has these job titles that say chief evangelist, uh, chief transformation officer, chief innovation officer, chief continuous improvement officer. So typically 
the way that I see evangelist, it is sort of encompassing those kinds of titles. And, and the way an evangelist, in my opinion, works, like they might come in internally in an organization, but they kind of have a foot in, a foot out is the best way to describe it because they are actually more powerful because of what they're bringing to the table as well and the activity that they have going on outside of that particular organization as well. And most often when they're coming in, they're coming in as almost a, um, I'm trying to think of the exact correct language to use here, so bear with me. Um, they're coming in as someone who is not going to be operational, right? Like there is an exec, the executive team is operational. When you're moving in transformation, it's a very different type of an innovation. It's a very different type of individual that um, the people that thrive in operational C-suite roles don't look like that evangelist, right? And so they come in sort of as this, someone once called me um, a one woman SWAT team. <laughs> So you're coming in able to like work across all of the things within the organization. And like I said, this is a very specific kind of skill set. And much of that skill set, I would say, is quite um, soft skills or life skills, what I call life skills, because you learn those skills in the trenches of life. That's why I call them life skills. So, so that person needing to work across all of these, they have to have enough knowledge about product, engineering, um, anything related to the technical side of the business, right? Um, they have to have enough knowledge around sales. They have to have enough knowledge around marketing and PR. Um, and they have to have enough knowledge usually to work across the executive team as well as some sort of board within the organization. There's like always another group. Um, and again, it's, evangelists may have gone deep in any one of those parallels, right? Like in many ways, they they have a lot more knowledge than just a surface knowledge set, but they're able to seamlessly work across. And, and again, I find evangelists to be ones that can handle like a really nasty, gnarly mess. Um, they are not worried about switching from one thing to another. They're not worried about when things go wrong because like in the solving of these gnarly problems, like that's where they thrive. Again, not operational as you might imagine. So when you are meeting a leader within an organization and they're like, what do we call you? Think of, you know, I kind of like close my eyes and think of myself again, I did not imagine this in my younger years, but for whatever reason, I've just been that person always that is the storyteller. I've been that person that people turn to, even outside of my professional context, right? That people turn to to fix a crazy problem. Like I've always just been that person. And when I when I realized it, it was like, wow, I'm kind of a I love performing. I love the creative aspect of things. Like I just work differently. It's like, does that word fit? Because again, an evangelist, you could be one of those, I'm looking over at my job titles, right? You could be more that chief innovation officer. You could be more a little something else, right? The evangelist has this canny ability to be able to go out and tell those stories. And that, and that I think is what, if you at the crux of what you're doing, if that is what it is, I think evangelist is the right title to use. 
Hey, thanks for listening to Chief Evangelist. For so many reasons, podcasting is a great opportunity and channel for evangelism. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to shift production and promotion to a team that's especially evangelist friendly, check out ringmaster.com. Their Connect Engage Scale program is designed for evangelist-powered podcasting for software and tech companies in the growth stage. Again, you can learn more at ringmaster.com. They're also the team behind this podcast. Speaking of chief evangelists, let's get back to it. Resonates so well with me based on my own experience and what other people uh, have been sharing with me. And in fact, like leaving operations, like like the initial podcast series I did that started my, that sent me into an evangelist role myself and brought evangelists uh, around in kind of a sense of community that then turned into this podcast. Um, leaving operations was key across all of them. And one of them, uh, Dave Izbitsky at Amazon, was chief evangelist of Alexa and Echo, um, was obviously uh, engineer development. It's not obvious. He was an engineer developer type and then, you know, went out to evangelize to the developer community and the marketing community about the power of voice. Uh, Sangram Vajre uh, came out of marketing. Dan Steinman came out of, he had built the entire customer success organization at Gainsight. Um, and, uh, and Guy Kawasaki came out of sales uh, when he was at Apple um, and, and a form of product evangelism as well. But like, so it can come from different disciplines, but all of them at some point, either, and I'm hearing this story more often, I was early in the company I came up, I built this organization, I led it. But now that it's 40 people or 80 people or 32 people or 71 people, it's just not my thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. I love the idea. I understand it. I know the customer really well. I've been doing this work related to the customer, whether it's in a product role or a marketing role or a sales role or a, uh, an account management or customer success type role. Um, I'm just not this type of an operations person but I have this passion, I have this knowledge, I have years of stories to share. Um, and I have some of the innate stuff that you were describing, Kelly, which is, um, you know, just, of course, the passion, the authenticity, the ability to tell the story, the desire to tell the story, the like the, the excitement around the transformation, the sincere belief. Um, and it can be applied in so many different ways. Um, go back a little bit and go, I just kind of like now that we've laid that you've laid all this stuff out. Um, I would love for you to kind of double back. What were you seeing when you first started looking at the the labor market data around evangelist roles? And maybe how has that evolved in the four or five years uh, since you initially looked at it? Like, is it becoming more common? Um, what are the types of companies? Is it big and small? Because that's kind of what I'm observing much more anecdotally than, than what you would see in a data set. Um, just share like kind of like what you're seeing then um, and, and maybe what your, how that has changed over the past five years, and then maybe even project where you think it might go. Yeah. Um, so what, I, the first thing I want to share for anyone who is not very familiar with job data is, is job data is a very small peak into the entire job market. So there are, um, 25% of jobs that are ever posted online. Um, and so this is, I, I say that just to say, hey, what I'm about to share is, you know, data is one piece, right? A lot of it is um, talking with people and, and doing additional research besides what is available in the standard job data. So when I originally was looking at that and doing my sort of like 
bigger research, which was talking to a lot of people um, within, you know, leaders within organizations all over the world, by the way, like I really wanted to figure this out. I just, the, the term wasn't used often, um, especially so in the large types of corporates that have very standardized job titles. Um, so all of you may be aware of like, there's like SVP of blah, 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 VP of, right? Like they're, they have very standard job titles because companies, large companies do that to track metrics and to track internally their own data around these job titles. That's a whole other story that we'll get into another time that I, drives me crazy sometimes. But um, what I was seeing was that it was not common. Um, <clears throat> the first two, funny enough, the first two evangelists that I was introduced to worked at Salesforce. Large organization, but a little bit more innovative. Um, <clears throat> There were others that were at innovative larger organizations that were not called evangelists, but truly they were evangelists. Like what I was starting to realize is that <clears throat> this person could have many job titles. And, and in many cases, the word evangelist had never come up. I, I've known chief learning officers that were evangelists. I've known um, chief innovation officers that were truly evangelists. It just wasn't a word that was being used often. So I did not see it. Um, what I've seen over the years is that the word is starting to be used more often, right? Because as soon as you start, much like you have a show out here called Chief Evangelist, we're, as evangelists, we're also evangelizing this job title. And so I think people are starting to gravitate more to this job title because they're realizing that this is a huge necessity within their organization. Now, some may, choose not to use that job title, but they're working with social media influencers, right? Again, totally different because those people don't have a say on the product or the transformation that's happening within that organization, but they're out there telling stories, putting eyes on your organization, right? In a very authentic way. So again, this evangelist concept is, is different because it's that one foot in, one foot out concept. It means this person has something that is truly special related to what you're doing in this organization. Um, in the future, quite frankly, I see this as, as really taking, really becoming of interest. But, but it's funny because as I say that, I also am someone who, you know, job, job titles, especially the more standard job titles, I, I think have less meaning right? I, I, I think that is the part that I'm seeing in the future is that the concept around job titles will change. And I think that they will change more to fit the type of person that you are um, versus what a company wants this thing to be. Um, because that's kind of the way that you showcase again, this sort of like special, I, I, I have said a lot, this sort of special innate superpower that you have, but I will also share that, you know, there are things that you can learn too. You may have a, and that's why I love to use the word skills, because to me, I don't want anyone to ever think like you could not learn this. It is something that is, is truly learnable. Most often, right, you will have, you will just, if you look back in yourself as like a young person before the world shaped you, you will be like, oh my gosh, 
I didn't know that I had this thing that I never developed, right? So so you may have a little bit of it that you're developing through learning. And Ethan, I don't know if you've done this as well, but I mean, I'm a, I'm a model, I'm an actor. I'm, I mean, I take singing lessons and voice lessons. Like I am constantly trying to up my abilities through learning and adding more skills into my own personal skills backpack because I want to get better and anyone can do that. Yeah, so much of what you shared there again, uh, I, you're, you're calling to mind conversations and stories and people and examples. Uh, this this inside out, by the way, and outside in, some people are tend more to be more internally focused. That would be a larger organization. Some people are more externally focused. That's, you know, the the form of evangelism where you're evangelizing a problem that people don't even know that they have in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, that requires a lot more external. But I but I refer to that as free agency, like a mm -hmm. like outside of operations and operating, you know, primarily with the sales and the CS teams and then external stuff, whether that's guesting uh, on podcasts, webinars, stages, et cetera, uh, whatever that looks like. And then this other side of it, which is um, the learnable piece of it. Uh, you know, I, I've spoken with a chief legal officer and a chief education officer, and they were brought into a, a technology company where that is the primary audience, but the people building the technology haven't been lawyers or educators. They need mm -hmm. someone to come in who knows the language, knows the persona, was the person, can yeah. relate to potential buyers because I've been in your shoes like that. Time. Everything you're saying just is, oh, yeah. is like right on track for me. Um, a little bit, uh, a little bit more. I'd love to sh to have you share a little bit more about what you're doing, and I'll ask it in two different ways. One is, um, you refer to yourself as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Um, and so I'd love to know a little bit more about that language. And then, um, you know, you're doing your own thing as a global skills evangelist, or you've built an organization to help you do, to, to fulfill some vision mm -hmm. you have for doing this work outside the bounds of, uh, you know, some of the companies that you worked for in the past. So what does it mean to be an entrepreneur entrepreneur to you? And uh, what has your entrepreneurial journey been like? Um, and and is, is it motivated by the same things that had you find yourself creating an open source, uh, you know, solution around matching people to opportunities. Yeah, oh, so much there. Okay, I so know, that, that was it, really big. I love your questions are so are so multifaceted. I'm like, okay, um, but they set me up great to tell stories, which is thank you. So entrepreneur, entrepreneur for me is is again, I think the evangelist concept really helps people understand this because it's that one foot in, one foot out. So sometimes I roll into an organization with a title within that organization so that I can easily navigate within that organization. And when I'm showing up externally, um, I am tied into that organization. So they get what I call like my brand glow, right? Because I am a, a person out there talking about this issue that I truly care about. So they kind of get both of that. Entrepreneur for me, um, I am a serial entrepreneur. So besides organizations that I've flipped into to help them grow, um, I have also started um, and worked with or um, within, you know, partnerships worked with building 15, over 15 organizations now. And so you'll laugh because this started for me very early in my life. So I, I, my parents are entrepreneurial. Um, my father was a dentist who started his own dental practice very young. My mother helped him start that business. It was truly a business. 
Um, my mother worked in a, after having a corporate role when she had kids, she ended up taking a more entrepreneurial role within that organization where she was building her own teams and not going into an office. And so as a child, um, I was often going with my parents to work and actually helping them and observing them. And not just, again, it was like something that just naturally unlocked for me. I started my first business besides working with their businesses when I was about 10 years old. Um, the Babysitter's Club books were very, very popular. And I was like, I was a great babysitter. Um, and so I always had too many jobs and I couldn't handle all of the jobs. And I also really enjoyed working in my father's dental office. And so I thought, I'm gonna start a babysitter's club and people are always calling me for more jobs than I have. I'll be the president and then I'll have other babysitters that I can like send out on my behalf. Um, and of course, as a true business person and entrepreneur, I was getting a cut of their babysitting fees. <laughs> So, of course, it's, it's a, it, you deserve a referral fee on that job. Right, right. So so this was just something, you know, it, that was just part of my fabric. I always had what I may have called back in the day a side hustle of some sort. And those, and sometimes multiple side hustles. And those look were, I can't even tell you how many different things that I've done. I've done makeup. I had my own online boutique at one point. Um I uh, had helped a business start an online bookstore to uh, when again, this was the first like in the early 2000s when I was still in college because we were competing with the college bookstores, which was the only place that you could buy your books and they were so expensive um, and I couldn't afford books. So of course, again, it was like my own problem that I was trying to solve. And, and I've, everything, food and beverage, like I've gone, you cannot even imagine the businesses that I've been a part of. But of course, like every single one of those businesses had some thread of something that was driving me a little bit nuts. And I wanted to solve it. Um, and so that entrepreneur, entrepreneur for me is like, again, I'm bringing this entrepreneur, like I cannot help myself but look at a business holistically as an owner of that business. I have no other way, like my viewpoint doesn't allow me to look at a business another way, which is why that view when I flip as an intrapreneur, which is just an inside entrepreneur, I am, that gives me that viewpoint across that business because I'm seeing them. And again, typically it is a problem that I or people around me are trying to solve. So I have that outside perspective of I am a customer as well, right? Oh, and I have access to a lot of your customers because I have this like such crazy network. Um, so that's really what that means to me and how I got into this. And then, um, oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting the second portion of your question, which I think. Yeah, it was, it was um, what are the different ways you're engaging with people oh, today right. as skills baby? Yeah. So now, um, you know, and sometimes I will still take uh, entrepreneur, you know, type roles. That is a part of like it, having my own business allows me to do it all, right? So I I tend to call those roles more like advisor type roles. So sometimes that means I'm flipping into an organization. Sometimes that means I'm just sitting outside alongside that organization. I'm also doing podcasting, right? So I truly and wholeheartedly believe 
in individuals being empowered by their unique capabilities and skills and knowing that they have these superpowers and and it is a you know in the real estate how we say it is a buyer's market or a seller's market, right? In the world of um, employment, we say it is a talent marketplace or an employer marketplace. And it is truly a talent marketplace. And we need to own our own power when it comes to what we are bringing to these organizations, right? Instead of the reverse, which is employers really owning the power um, but I also believe in breaking down the the barriers that help people navigate too, right? So part of this is taught, continuing to evangelize to companies why they need to start opening their awareness around this topic, why educators need to be thinking about lifelong learning and skills um, as opposed to the way they've been doing their businesses. So it's kind of like a multiple part me still evangelizing. I'm speaking like this. I'm speaking at events on these same topics. Sometimes it's for a client. Sometimes it is, you know, as myself, right? Or maybe it's both all the time. I don't know. Um, and then uh, I also do these leadership development workshops. So um, again, sometimes the, I am air quoting here, sometimes I come in or flip into an organization or advise, advise alongside. But other times, I'm also just trying to help transform the culture and mindsets of that organization. And many times I'll come in and work with them through workshops. Like, let's talk about innovation, how we create this sort of like adaptive leadership culture that's needed to allow true innovation and transformation to happen. How, um, truly how we enable those transformations through emerging technologies and the tools that we have out there. Um, because again, in my mind, the more we empower others into these leadership types of roles and unlock those barriers, I truly believe that the world can change into a, a beautiful place. And so that's why I, I sort of have this organization and sit, as I say, externally or internally, it gives me the freedom to do both. Really smart. And uh, this idea that there's a more beautiful world waiting for us, I think, is what drives all of us who would wear a title like this or or behave in these ways, whether or not we wear the title. I have a huge zone of conversation I want to get into, but we'll have to do it on another episode, Kelly. Oh, man. And, 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 and this is, well, and, and this is the um, and I just want to say it out loud. Uh, perhaps me have something quick, quick to offer on it. But um how does an evangelist or anyone, what I'm responding to is like, it's, it should be much more of a talent market. What I have observed is that a number of evangelists and aspiring evangelists really struggle to communicate their value. I think people don't know how to associate this. So they want to like assign them clear marketing metrics or they want to assign them sales numbers in order to quantify their value. Um, there's a lot in that. Uh, but I guess at a, at a really high level, how can someone have more of a talent-based conversation rather than respond to what an employer is bringing to the market as, a, as an express need? How do you communicate your value? Um, I, that's a huge question. It's unfair yeah. here toward the very no, end. No, no, and it's, and it's, the thing is though, too, this is part of why, you know, the barriers that I'm trying to break down and the biases that I'm trying to break down is because in, every organization is so focused on how they how much they can measure everything. This is not only jobs, but it's like how much we can measure productivity, how much we can measure your outcomes. 
Um, as an evangelist, and especially when they're the outcomes are not clear, you have to make up the things that you will be measuring. Um, and, and those, you know, I have so many examples to share on ways that I've created. Okay. These are the metrics and, and, and all of these things. Sometimes it's just introduction. Sometimes I'm looking for what I call, um, in innovation incubators or investment for innovation. Um, there are metrics you can find throughout it. Maybe it's just introductions. Sometimes it's just out going out and speaking, right? I, I could go out and speak and, and I can measure that I've gone out and spoken, but then guess what's not measured? How far that one speaking engagement goes. Um, sometimes part of the measurements are just, you know, the social media activity that happens around me. Again, data is this minuscule piece of showing all that you are capable of. So that's why I, it's a cautionary tale, right? It is asked for, we have to create some way for things to be measured. And then I capture that information and I share it externally in my stories. And so that, you know, part of it is when I talk to another leader, I'll say, this is what I have been able to do for these organizations. These are the parts that I can measure, but there's so much more to that. Now, there are some leaders that I talk to that their mindset is not open and aware enough to understand someone like me. And, and there have been many times that I have gotten so frustrated over oppor like opportunities that I saw um, for these organizations. And yet it just didn't, it didn't work out, you know? Um, and so yes, as an evangelist, you are often going to people that you're like, please understand me. Right. But sometimes it just doesn't happen. So that's what I would say is do the best you can do to collect your outcomes, to keep track of what the measurements and outcomes are to make sure you thread that into your storylines. Anyone can see that directly on my, if you go to my website, I, I would say I have done a lot of work to try to figure out how to describe myself, how to describe the different aspects of me, the measurements that I'm sharing with people. And it, and if anyone wants more information about that, just email me. You can reach me right from my website. You can email me kellyryanbailey.com, easy. Um, and I'm happy to share with you. Like I have a media kit that describes, again, it's a storyline for me. I have a portfolio and I'm happy to share all of those because again, hopefully it can empower you to figure out what to track, how to share your story, how to have those conversations. It's not perfect. It's not easy. That's why we have evangelists. <laughs> I love it. And by the way, I feel, I feel very deficient in all those categories right now and you've got me motivated to to uh to organize a lot more of that stuff more effectively. Um by the way that that is a I feel like this is going to be an early mid 2024 follow-up conversation because I know you have a lot more to share on this topic. Let's do it. Yeah. And you're going to come on mine too so that we can okay. everyone can can get all this juicy goodness. <laughs> awesome. I appreciate it. Uh, uh before I let you go Kelly, a uh, fun question I ask everyone uh is what is something that you find yourself evangelizing in your own personal life? And or what is something that someone very close to you has accused you of evangelizing? Oh too my often? gosh, um, empowering working women or what my husband might call like feminism. <laughs> um, I am, I mean, truly, I will say that I talk a lot about empowering people, <clears throat> generally speaking, but as a working mother, as a woman, the uh, barriers 
that I have faced and the value that I know I can bring to a workplace are so deficient. I think women have, like, there's just such a huge and wide gap. Women also, um, especially mothers, again, for whatever reason, carry a lot of shame and guilt and, um, and don't believe in themselves. And so it is something that I am just so passionate about. I cannot help myself, but really focus on empowering women in leadership. I am a part of two organizations that I'm a global ambassador for called um, Care Force and also Mother's Monday, which we're working a lot around policy for women as Care Force, you might imagine caregiving for children because a lot of women have stepped out of the workforce because they don't have childcare available. So let me tell you that I could go on and on about this subject. But of course, as you can hear, like, I can't stop myself. (laughs) Yeah, really good. Okay, so uh, wherever folks are watching or listening, whether you're watching on YouTube or you're listening to your favorite podcast app, down below there is a description and I will have a link to Kelly's website as well as to both of those organizations. We'll probably also rope that into the follow-up conversation as well because it's in this whole zone too. Like, it's part of this conversation. um, And obviously, you have a lot to share on that too. Um, and, and I want people to stop referring to it as something like feminism. This is like, like equality is not feminism. Oh, exactly. Equality. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I could, I could evangelize with you on some of this too. Let's do it. uh, From a different perspective. (laughs) So you're a gift. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for making time for this. It was a joy and, um, wish you continued success. Thank you. And same to you, Ethan. Have a great day. That wraps up this episode of Chief Evangelist. Thank you for joining us. And thanks to Ringmaster Conversational Marketing for helping bring these episodes to you. With any thoughts or questions about the Chief Evangelist role, message me on LinkedIn. I'm Ethan Butte, E-T-H-A-N-B-E-U-T-E. For show notes and more of these conversations, visit chiefevangelist.com.